Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Thanks to everyone who supports the Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is Daily Tech News for Monday, October 1st, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And from L.A. County, I'm Roger Chang. Also joining us today, very happy to have Andrew Zarian from What the Tech back on the show after much too long. Andrew, how's it going? I'm back. Uh, All right. Not bad. I think we figured out before um, the last time I did the show, uh, before we started the show, the last time I did the show, I had no kids and I had a first floor. And now um, (laughs) now I have two kids and no first floor. Was it a direct trade or did the one have to come after the other? (laughs) One had to come after the other. Yeah. 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 That that actually sounds sounds, uh, familiar. That sounds about right. Uh, well, we're going to talk about the uh, the future of podcasting uh, with uh, based on an article in Medium or Medium Post uh, from one of the guys who formerly led the podcasting effort at Audible, and so he he knows uh, quite a, quite a bit from the front lines about the uh, supposed decline of podcasting that maybe some people are saying. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. Google is adding a commute tab to Google Maps that highlights congestion and disruption on your route. In 80 regions, it'll show you your bus or train in real time on the map. And if you live in Sydney, Australia, you'll also get passenger capacity as well. Maps is also adding playback controls for Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Play Music. And the updates are rolling out worldwide to Android and iOS this week. And I wish I shopped at this Best Buy. Uh, Best Buy mistakenly sold a customer a third-generation Chromecast. Thing is, no third-generation Chromecast has been announced. Uh, It's probably going to be announced at Google's October 9th event, which is obviously going to be about the Pixel 3, but the rumor is they're going to have a lot of hardware announcements. The buyer said it wouldn't scan at checkout because it's not supposed to be sold until October 9th, but since the list price was the same as the current Chromecast, the Best Buy let him buy it anyway. Uh, he couldn't set it up when he got home, though. It requires a new version of the Home app. That likely will be released, I don't know, around October 9th, uh, probably. But it's just uh, uh, funny. Well, now we have pictures of what the new Chromecast looks like. Not much different than the old one, to be honest. Instagram co-founders Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger named VP of product Adam Masseri as the new head of Instagram. This was rumored last week when we heard that the two were leaving the company, the two founders. The founders said they think Masseri will continue to keep the Instagram community front and center. They're, yeah, because I think they were what else to, would they say? <laughs> well, they're trying to downplay the uh, Facebook's going to ruin Instagram. But but of course, yes. What, what else? Well, would they? F- Facebook has made some inroads into uh, Instagram as it is. So, yeah, sure. OK, well, let's talk a little m- more about uh, someone else who we've been following the lawsuits around Elon Musk. 
Yeah, Elon Musk has had an interesting couple of months. So Saturday, Tesla CEO Elon Musk changed his mind based on what he had said previously and settled with the SEC in the U.S. over tweets about taking the company private. You might recall he did that and it may have affected stock pricing and things that aren't necessarily kosher. So the SEC had filed a lawsuit claiming that the tweets were fraud. Musk and Tesla will pay $20 million each in fines each. An independent chairman will replace Musk on the board of directors and two independent directors will be added to the board as well. Musk will, however, remain a CEO in a separate investigation by the Department of Justice continues. So it's not over yet. We'll see what the DOJ comes up with. But uh, (laughs) I mean, it's so tempting, isn't it? To just because Andrew on Friday, Musk was saying, well, I can't do a settlement. It wouldn't be true to myself. So I guess he decided it was true to himself over the weekend. I, I think we all could learn that these some of these CEOs of especially publicly traded companies maybe shouldn't be going on Twitter and, uh, you know, divulging in, in ideas that they have and, and futures of the company like that. There is I'm, I'm trying to think of the you know, why is it understandable that he did this? It's easy to, to throw the mud at him at this point and say, you know, what an idiot. Why did he you know, why did he ever think it was OK? I guess there is a strain of Musk that says, and and this is what people admire him for. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Uh, Rules are made to be broken. Not all rules are great. Uh, and, and this is how I've been able to do SpaceX and Tesla is to, to turn over the conventional wisdom. And maybe it's okay to just tell people, be transparent and say, Hey, I'm thinking of taking the, the company private. And I think I've got it figured out. It was all about the phrasing and the impact of the words, I think. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, there, there's, there's two ways you can look at it. Was it some sort of premeditated way to, to inflate stock prices? Was it just Musk saying, this is Twitter, I'm just talking, I'm a person like everybody else, which, of course, you would say, that may or may not be true, I have no idea. But um, why is Twitter the platform that always gets people in trouble? 
Because there is no filter. <laughs> you can put anything but, you but want. But you've got, you've got plenty of other platforms. You could have written a Medium post yeah. or you know, taken to Reddit <laughs> or I don't know. Anyway. All right. On August 10th, the FBI executed a search warrant on the home of Grant Mikulski uh, looking for evidence of sending or receiving child pornography. The agents found an iPhone 10 and asked Mikulski to look at the phone in order to unlock it using Face ID, which he did. He did, did they didn't like grab his head and force him to do it. He he did it willingly by all accounts. It is thought to be, however, the first case of law enforcement using Face ID to unlock a phone as part of an investigation. Mikulski cooperated, so this doesn't test whether suspects can be compelled to use their face to unlock a phone. Although you could make some arguments about, you know, it's kind of intimidating. Everybody's crawling all over your house. Uh, so maybe he was compelled in a way from a certain point of view. Uh, but this wasn't someone who was actively resisting and calling on their lawyer and, and being compelled in that way. Um, we'll see if that changes when he goes to court, if he goes to court. Uh, they also didn't get all the information within the time limit of the face ID unlock. Uh, and so later they had to crack the password anyway, which they say they have tools. This took place in Ohio and apparently the police department there had tools to be able to crack the password. But, uh, uh pe- people making a lot of significance about this. What do you think folks, uh, uh about the significance, uh, of this particular case? Andrew? I, I've, you know, it's funny because I, about a year or two years ago, the argument was, can they take your forcefully take your thumb and make you unlock the right. phone? And now we're talking about they don't even have to do that. And I don't know where to go beyond this. If you know, obviously, if you're a criminal and you committed some heinous crime like child pornography, you know, I'm a little bit more to the side of the government to do whatever they have to do to kind of prosecute you and figure out what the, what the next process is. But if you are, you know, whatever the, who knows what the scenario is, if a police officer or an FBI agent, you know, federal or or local takes the phone, just holds it to your face and you have no idea what's happening. uh, Is that, you know, unethical? Yeah. And, and that's a question that this case isn't going to, to clear up. Uh, And, and what Andrew's referring to as far as the forcing your fingerprint, the, the way the law works in the U.S. is you're protected against self-incrimination. So the contents of your mind, is usually the way courts put it, are protected. You don't have to give a password because that would be self-incriminating. However, the print on your thumb is not protected. It's not self-incrimination. It's a thing you have, uh, like being compelled to give over a key, for instance. Uh, so they've ruled that you have to unlock with your thumbprint in, in a couple of cases. They've never ruled on Face ID. And Face ID, if you aren't looking if you keep your eyes closed you can you know pretty credibly prevent it from working that said as somebody who has face id for the first time because i never had the uh the iphone 10 i will say there are times where it's like the phone is almost like like going by my face quickly and it unlocks real quick and you know i set it up to do exactly that Mm. face id works almost too well at times. Mm -hmm. So, and again, none of us were here in, you know, the event uh, that we're describing, but I wonder how much it was like, what's your password? And he says, I'm not giving it to you. Well, okay. And then, you know, face ID kind of, you know, they, they get into the phone. Um, It is, it, it seems like it's one step easier than forcing somebody to put a fingerprint on yeah. their phone. And again, the, account, the accounts are that they asked him to unlock it and he did. There was not there was no account that said that they tricked him into it or they asked him sure. to unlock it and he wouldn't. There was no report of resistance in this case. So it's not a great test case for that reason. 
Fast Company reports that Tim Berners-Lee will launch his company, Inrupt, sort of like Disrupt, but Inrupt, this week to offer user control over personal data using the decentralized platform Solid, developed by Berners-Lee's team and uh, at MIT. Inrupt stores data in a solid pod, which lets users own their data and then control which services and applications can access their personal data rather than storing it separately with every service. Developers can build decentralized apps through the Inrupt sites. He made a, a, a comment in the Fast Company article uh, that he is not working with Facebook and Google because he doesn't think this fits their business plan and he's not going to ask them for permission to develop this. So this is something I very much want to see catch on. The idea that you have a decentralized pod that holds your data and you get to decide who you share it with, and can revoke that access. I love this idea. The only way it catches on is if enough startups and developers create enough services and applications that use it that people also want to use that it becomes something where the Googles and Facebooks of the world feel pressure to include because people love it so much in the other places where they use it. And and so it's a chicken and egg problem at this point. And this is the week where it starts to see, will we get enough of these kinds of services on board? Yeah, I'm curious to see what, what other companies adapt this, uh, because that really holds the future of, of this kind of um, decentralized platform when it comes to your, your information. Yeah, uh, it's, it's open to developers as of this week. Uh, Berners-Lee says this is the kind of thing developers love. But when he's talking about developers, he's talking about indie developers, I think. Uh, not so much the developer who works at Amazon, the developer who works at Google. Um, I, I'll be very curious to see who the biggest company to jump on the board earlier is. Uh, or if a startup can can leverage this to create a service that does something that the others can't and disrupts them or interrupts them that way. On Sunday, California Governor Jerry Brown signed a net neutrality bill into law that forbids ISPs from speeding up or slowing down certain kinds of content or charging companies to deliver their sites or apps faster to customers of their services in the state of California. Within hours, the U.S. Department of Justice filed for an injunction against the law on the grounds that the Internet operates across state lines and therefore states cannot regulate interstate commerce. The California law would not go into effect until January 1st. This is going to be a fight. It's the federal government saying the states don't right, have the right to regulate the Internet. There could be some unsettling precedents if the government, the federal government wins this because, I don't know, state taxes <laughs> are levied on the Internet uh, and, and the Internet crosses state lines for commerce there. That is, in fact, interstate commerce right there. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what kind of Pandora's box they're opening here. And most of the experts out there, when the FCC said we are not in charge of regulating net neutrality for the Internet, which is one of the premises of, the, of Ajit Pai's FCC, uh, they said, well, if that's the case, then that leaves it to the states. And courts will say, well, you decided not to regulate. Therefore, it's up to the states to determine how to regulate it themselves. Andrew, what are your thoughts on, obviously we're talking about California, but um, many states in the U.S. have have uh, either introduced various, uh, um, uh, well, laws that would become laws eventually, or at least um, said they'd push back on, on what the federal government um, has put into place. 
uh, you know, these are the sorts of things where I'm like, okay, it sounds like a, you know, a big legal tussle that's going to happen for a long time. Now I have my own opinions about what should happen, but in general, it's hard for me to, to see something like this and know how it's going to play out. So this, so is this the first, is this unprecedented? Is this the first time that a state has done this? Yes. The other states that have done similar things have said, if you're dealing with the government, we'll only give you a contract if you agree to these rules, which is which is harder to go after. This is the state saying, whether you're dealing with us or not, you can't do this for customers that live in the state of California. You know, I I don't know how I feel about this, if this is a positive. Ne- Obviously, we're going to see uh, we're going to see other states follow through with this. If this is successful or even if it's not successful, we're going to see an attempt. Um, if I were to see it, even on the lowest level, if we leave it down to the municipalities to control our Internet access and how that works, you know, here in New York City doesn't work too well when we're limited with what we could do. If a state is now uh, putting in regulation, obviously it, it's we don't want to regulate speed when it comes to certain types of applications or sites. But once you extend this, where where does this go beyond this? And that's the biggest question that I have. I don't think the argument is this is terrible that the state uh, the state of California wants to forbid ISPs from regulate you know down making the speed higher or slower depending on the site but it also opens up a whole Pandora's box like you said as to what else this leads to yeah uh, it's uh, again uh, <laughs> the the government the federal government is trying to make the argument that because the internet is so complex and crosses state lines one state can't decide uh, how it works but. They do in lots of other internet related things. Uh, So, you know, uh, particularly taxes, uh, state taxes and and deciding where someone is when they buy something uh, is done by IP address. I mean, there's lots of good arguments on the federal government side, but they apply to more than just net neutrality. (sighs) We'll see. Well, let's talk about 5G, shall we? Shall we? Verizon has turned on 5G service in parts of Houston, Indianapolis, Los Angeles, and Sacramento. The expected average speed is 300 megabits per second, and customers get free access for the first three months, after which point it'll be $70 per month. At the same time, Pew Research published a study showing that the percentage of people in the U.S. who use smartphones as their only internet connection rose from 8% in 2013 to 20% this year. The number of households with home internet connections dropped from 70% in 2013 to 65%. This is the landline all over again. Yeah, so it started with the landline, then it moved to cable, uh, and now cord cutting, uh, as the Fortune article says, is moving uh, to actual home internet. Uh, I'm going to be old-fashioned because I've got wired internet in my house. I'm not just relying on that fast 5G, which is also interesting because the 5G service Verizon is launching today is home internet service. Even though it's wireless, it's delivered to your home. It's not necessarily for your mobile phone at this point. There will be 5G service for that down the line as well. But uh, I think it's fascinating, this trend of, hey, you know, the internet's just in the air, uh, so sure. yeah. if I want to save some money and I've got to choose between a uh, $50 a month uh, mobile phone plan or a $50 a month wired internet plan, I'm going to choose the mobile phone plan. Yeah, but now we lead into the world of caps and limitations and uh, peak hour usage and all this stuff. Verizon, one of the Verizon's big thing has been uh, with pushing this has been watch your Netflix, watch your Hulu, watch your streaming media, all on this wireless service that we're providing you for only 70 bucks. Um I I'm curious to see how true they stay 
to that model in the coming years when, you know, right now they're in limited sure. areas like Houston, Indianapolis, yeah. L.A. Uh, how about when they expand to their overall network, you know, Verizon's 5G network that'll spread all around the country? Uh, I, I'm 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 hoping that they stay true to this. Not, I'm I'm going to use the term uncapped, right? Yeah. Or unlimited. Because unlimited can but, be limited. Uncapped yeah, means no caps. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely. That's a good way yeah. of putting it. But if we if we are unlimited, and I'm using quotes for people listening, yeah. uh, how unlimited will we be? Because we've seen, but even with FiOS, there is a threshold of tolerance, and obviously with 5G, it's going to be way less. At least at the beginning, right? Until until that capacity is fully built out. So as we did with LTE, LTE had more caps in the early days than it does now. They became more unlimited, even though there are limits to the unlimited. Uh, well, and we're all sort of we're we we the, the people on the show are kind of interesting use cases because wired internet is really important, right? Because of the stuff that we do for work. If I did not have to for sure make sure that my wireless internet was not going to make Google Hangouts act weird, I might not have a problem with this. I also have a plethora of friends now who they might have a laptop that they can access if they really need it, but really just use their smartphones as their computer. That's their computer. It's been that way for years. It's fine. It, it, it's, that's the way it has been going for, for lots of folks. So I think that this is, Again, you have your special use cases, but those are going to continue to dwindle as most households don't actually need the kind of internet uh, that has been offered to them. And something like 5G service as your only internet option works just fine. And a couple of points here. Uh, Verizon's home 5G that's launching promises to sometimes have sub-millisecond latencies. But even if it's a millisecond or two, that's the kind of latency that you can deal with in streaming video. So suddenly wireless becomes a, a, a potential replacement. And they're giving you a discount if you have a Verizon phone for this this first 5G program. So it's $50 a month if you have a Verizon mobile plan. Um, imagine that becomes the norm too, where it's like, hey, we'll give you 5G wireless. You can use it on your phone and we'll hook it up so you can use it on your TV too without having to tether your phone. Uh, I'm sure you're going to see lots of plans like that, especially because they're giving free YouTube TV, free Apple TVs to some of these early folks who sign up as well. They, they want to get you used to using this as if it were a wired internet connection. Hey, folks, if you want to get all tech headlines each day in about five minutes, you can. You can do it easily. Just go to dailytechheadlines.com and do it. So uh, we have an article from Eric Nazum, former Audible podcasting team leader, uh, still involved in podcasting and thinks podcasting is getting a bad rap in some of the industrial uh, podcast industry posts out there. Uh, Panoply and Slate have moved away from podcasting. BuzzFeed laid off its entire in-house audio team. Of course, Audible's podcast team left. Eric uh, resigned as well. He says it's not a bubble, as many people have been saying, but a gold rush. And we're starting to realize that, like all gold rushes, uh, most people don't find gold. Uh, they just end up making people who sell Levi's and pans very, very rich. Uh, and he's like, that's, that's what's going on with podcasting here. We've got a gold rush with four sources of money. Advertisements, derivatives like merchandise, listener support like Patreon, and investment from places like networks. And he thinks the problem is number four investments. Uh, people were pouring a lot of money in this, hoping to get rich. And now they're not getting rich uh, and they're pulling out. But he says, podcasting is still strong. The ad rates, the CPMs may be high, but they're stable. 
and audience numbers are actually growing. More and more people are listening to podcasts. So he points out, people have not only been predicting the death of podcasts, I've seen them predict the death of podcasts more times than I uh, can count at this point in my years of podcasting. And he points out, people have been predicting the death of radio since television came along, and even podcasting didn't kill radio. He says, audio is very resilient. And I'll, I'll take this quote from his, his post. Nothing beats great stories and conversations. No marketing plan, no network effect, no tricks or tips is ever a better investment than simply trying a bit harder to be a bit better than your last episode, uh, which is, you know, sounds very high minded. But that's kind of the advice I've given people over the years is prioritize making a good show. Uh, and then build everything else on top of that. Andrew, you've been doing this for a long time as well. How, what do you think of all of this? You know, I, I think it comes down to uh, how you define a podcast. I think over the last couple of years, we saw the definition of a podcast kind of evolve into more of a spoken word type serial show, uh, for lack of a better you know example there. But I'm, I think when you talk about uh, the amount of production that's put into some of those contents and the money that's invested and the and the quality of shows. I, I did, you know, when we first started podcasting, the biggest rush was comedy podcasts and tech podcasts, right? I mean, that, that was really the, the main thing that was driving podcasts. The ad revenue was down. There was no major investment, but some of those shows survived and some didn't. We're in a different stage of podcasting. It's very mature um, and, and obviously it's still maturing. It's We're getting ad rates like radio is getting. I just had a meeting with a uh, a big radio network here in New York, an AM radio network. And we were discussing, you know, podcasting, and they really wanted to know th the business of podcasting. And to them, a podcast wasn't a radio show on the internet or 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 even just what we're doing video. To them, their concept of a podcast was more of a spoken word, uh, serial type show. Mm -hmm. And he was asking me, how do you sustain a show like that? How is the longevity of it? How much money are you putting in? And I had to essentially teach him that that's not the definition of a podcast. A podcast is very broad. So when you are talking about the investments, like number four, like you pointed out that the investments may not be there, you may not need the investment of what their concept is to grow a podcast or grow a brand. Niche products like what you do, what I do, uh, Sarah, you've been doing podcasts, uh, you know, as long as I have, if not longer. Uh, not to date us. I don't want to do that. I'm not I'm not dating <laughs> us here. I'm, I'm still a young man. I'm still a young man in this. But yeah. I, I think I, it, it bothers me when I read even these stories of his podcasting dying, top, uh, top reasons why podcasts aren't what they're meant to be. Podcasts are whatever you define them as. If you could have a podcast from your living room that draws 5,000 people, which is not significant on a, on a broadcasting level, but you know what? You could probably monetize that more than any sports show in, in the New York market can because you have a niche niche audience that is willing to purchase what you are selling them. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily investment. That's a problem. I think the problem is uh, the, the overall concept of what a podcast is. I don't, I don't have a specific definition of, of what it can be. It could be anything. To some people, a YouTube channel could be a podcast. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we have so many different ways to get media you know but at the i think i was reading an article the other day they said majority of podcasts are listened to audio i think video is a very small portion as long as people are downloading things yep. there's always going to be money and there's always going to be growth well and i think you know in the podcast market because of course besides dtns we all dabble in many other podcasts we're all familiar with the fact that 
if you can get a general number for audience, you're good to go. But there's no real number. But that's the same thing that you could argue for uh, Nielsen ratings and TV and, you know, radio to a certain extent as well. I met somebody the other day who was not in the tech world and was like, oh, you do a podcast. That's cool. What do you guys talk about? You know, and, and he, he wasn't being disparaging to me, but it's I think for a lot of folks that sounds like, oh, you have like a hobby thing. Uh-huh. You're doing like a little. Yeah, oh, that's you do cute. model trains. That's cute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. What's your podcast about? Or I'm like, well, it's, I mean, it's like a show. <laughs> I mean, it's pr- providing a service that, you know, we used to do in television. But I'm kind of used to that and that's fine. But I think that there's a little bit of that going on where the hobbyists and they do exist and they should, no, they should. Um, in the podcasting world. It yeah. It's, it's not just about like, Oh, if you understand how XML feeds work, then you can do a podcast. <laughs> it's like you, lots of people do them now. And that's the same thing for yes, a YouTube channel or something, something else where it might be a labor of love. That's not going to get you a lot of money. Of course, getting a lot of money would be great. But for a lot of folks, um, the barrier to entry is, is lower than ever. That's a good thing. But I do think that, yeah, you have a lot of folks who are like, well, okay, I'm in the advertising part of this. And how many people are listening to your podcast or watching it? Um, As Andrew mentioned, video is a little bit tougher, but it happens. And there are so many questions around, um, you know, the bang for your buck. And yes, niche niche marketing, niche advertising on uh, a podcast that's very focused on something that's actually very valuable to the audience as long as you know exactly who you're marketing to. And and because of that, we're still in the that Wild West um, part of podcasting, which makes people say, well, it's not lucrative enough. Yeah. And, and bottom line, folks, uh, when I was at CNET, sales staff was super excited about the podcast we launched called Buzz Out Loud. Couldn't wait to sell it. Sold it to Earthlink. It was great. Next best thing. Can't believe it. We're on top of it. Within six months, podcasting is dead. We can't sell podcasts. <laughs> Maybe we'll throw it in as a bonus with other buys, but we won't make any money off of it. Uh, and that cycle is repeated over and over and over again, multiple times. Uh, and it's not just podcasting. I've, I've heard it said about social media. I've heard it said about the internet itself. Uh, so, you know, when someone tells you something's dead that still looks pretty strong, uh, it probably just means it's changing in a way that that person doesn't like and they're very upset. And I, and I think Gold Rush is a great metaphor for this. A lot of companies poured a lot of money in here thinking, oh, we'll be the next serial, to Andrew's point, not realizing that that's not all that podcasting is or can be. Uh, and when it didn't pay off quick, uh, they, they cashed in their pans and, and Levi's and tents and and went on back east coast with broken dreams, but we're still here. Back to New York. Yeah. Well, it's like you know, it's like a good book. You yeah. know, they're they're not all going to be like cereal. It's, Sorry, Buzzfeed. It is the method of 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 communication, not the actual content itself. Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You guys are the method of communication and the content itself, and we love you for it. Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook. Want to hang out in both places? Even better. Facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Ooh, look, it's the mailbag. (gasps) Oh, goodness gracious. How about this? Macy J from Humid Boston has some feedback on our quarterly hangout content idea brainstorm. If you missed it, uh, Roger and Tom and I got together on Saturday and yeah, talked about the show, what's working, what we want to improve, um, and solicited a lot of uh, questions from all of you and got a lot of responses. So thank you in advance. Macy says, I like the idea of a DTNS product review show. You could differentiate yourselves from others by spending 
at least a month with the product, right? Instead of just being first. I once got an XPS laptop. It was well-reviewed. After a few days with a laptop, I realized it's actually pretty hard to find the volume button when I'm watching Netflix at night. And I do that frequently. I think if any of the reviewers actually had used the laptop for a month or more, they would have noticed this and similar small issues and at least list them in the articles, which would be helpful, obviously. Macy says, by spending more time with the product uh, and not solely replying on first impressions and specs, you can provide your audience with relevant and quality reviews that your supporters would appreciate, hopefully. Yeah, we had a lot of suggestions along the lines of uh, extended reviews. That's that seems to be something that because there's so many review shows out there that people don't do often enough. Uh, yeah, even somebody suggested up to a year. So interesting, interesting suggestion there. We'll t- definitely keep that in mind. Yeah, and it, and that definitely applies to a lot of reviews that I read as well. It's like sometimes you read a review that's very thorough, but it's like, well, this is your first impression, you know, mm-hmm. because you wanted to get it out as soon as possible. It's not really your six-month impression because that would be different uh, because you notice things over time. Andrew Zarian probably notices lots of things about uh, tech reviews over time. Andrew, what has been going on in your world since you were last on the show, which was, I don't know, two children ago? And how can people keep up with your work? Uh, obviously, two kids. So it's uh, I'm doing a little less now when it comes to the podcast. But you can follow me on Twitter, obviously, at Andrew Zarian. And, of course, at gfknetwork.com. Uh, you could check out all my stuff there. Uh, I generally do... It's it's a bizarre world since we were talking about podcasting. I do technology with Paul Therod. I do a professional wrestling show, and I do a hair loss show. A hair loss show? <laughs> that is my number one. I, I, I produce a hair loss show. It's there called is, The Vault. There is, a, there is an audience for all three of those that overlaps, I think. Yeah, right. those are my I, top I, three. You have, so much, have. you have so much hair. I was like, oh. <laughs> Well, I, I produce it, but I have like, it. Well, I have yeah. a lot of hair because I have been informed on how to keep it. Uh-huh. That's See? yeah. Why you That's would, like, what you a bizarre. Would. By the way, you want to talk about podcasting? What a what a what a mishmash of <laughs> of nonsense that is, right? It's great. Professional wrestling, technology, and of course, hair loss. <laughs> no, uh, so, well, people. It's like when people say, like, "Oh, you don't need makeup," and I'm like, mm, "Okay, well, <laughs> I won't wear any." And then let's see what you say. Go find it, folks. <laughs> GFQNetwork.com. Uh, also, October 1st means it's Patreon Day. This is the day uh, that we collect all of the pledges from folks that support the show and make it possible. More, Lots more than 90% of our revenue comes directly from patrons, and that keeps us independent. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, Patreon.com slash DTNS. We ended up with 17 more patrons than last month. Let's see if we can get at least one more this month as well. Uh, Patreon.com slash DTNS. Your feedback also helps us build the best show possible because we build it for you. Feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com is where you can write in questions, comments, and all that stuff. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Join us if you can. Find out more at DailyTechNewsShow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Patrick Beja. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. At Airbus, our products make the world a safer place. 
and help nations protect their sovereignty. Whether it's air ambulance services at home or evacuations overseas, our technology protects citizens, safeguards security, and aids responses to crises. At Airbus, we're pioneering sustainable aerospace for a safe and united world. Learn more at airbus.com.